If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're um, in week 2 of a series we're calling Grounded. And what this series is all about is uh, establishing ourselves and what we say we believe and making sure we have a firm understanding of, of what we say we believe. We thought it would be a great way to start this year by, by, by touching all of the bases of, of, our, of our faith. Um, if you are a friend of LifePoint, then, well, if you're not, you probably wouldn't be here. So I'm glad that you're here. We're in the middle of uh, 21 days of prayer. I hope that you have been receiving all of the things that we've tried to send out to you, imperfect as they may be. Um, just these gentle little reminders of what we're asking you to pray for each day. Today, by the way, uh, we're asking you to pray for our children's pastor and his family, Sean Wages. So please make sure that you do that today. And if you wanted to give him a big hug before you leave, that would be okay, too. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I love this passage of scripture. Read with me. It's in your bulletin. It'll be on the screen behind me. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, growing in every way more and more like Christ. That's our goal today. Father, we, we need you. We need your anointing. We need your presence among us. Uh, God, we know that before we ever unlock the doors, you are here. You're omnipresent. You're always here among us. But God, would you please make us aware of your presence today? Holy Spirit, would you pierce our hearts? And God, would you cause us to leave here with a greater understanding, not in our head, but in our heart of the message of the cross of the gospel of Jesus. We love you. Everybody said, okay, let me explain to you how this works. Um, I know everybody in the room did not grow up in a Pentecostal, charismatic, loud kind of church. But when I say, and everybody said, Amen. that means everybody says, Amen. Amen. thank you. So, Here's how this will work. If you will help me, I won't preach as long. In fact, Mark Ford was running around this morning trying to find batteries for the clock because the clock in the back is stopped. And he's like, he'll, he'll never quit preaching if we don't fix the clock. Just saying. Last week in week one, we talked about faith. And if you were in growth groups this morning, you heard a lot about the topic of faith when we want to be grounded in our faith. One of the things we said last week was that faith is a substance that attaches your present circumstances to the promises of God. Let me kind of tell you what that might look like. If you're here and you're not following Jesus, the promise of God in Acts 16, 31 says, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved in your house. But what will attach you to that promise is if you have faith in the Son of God. Maybe you're here and your world's in chaos. Anybody ever had a world in chaos besides yeah, then, then the promise of God is come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. But what attaches your chaos to the promise is your faith in the Son of God. Anybody, any worriers in the house? My mama was a worrier. Any, any worriers? Let me, see, let me see you here. Yeah, me too sometimes. Here's, here's your promise. Jesus said, don't worry, saying, what do we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. So what attaches your worry to the confidence of God is your faith and the promises. So, 
And I loved what Mark said this morning. It's not an arbitrary faith, not faith in faith. It's faith in this. And if you're, right, if you're taking notes, now I didn't leave you a bunch of blanks today, and I'll tell you why. Because I firmly believe that God's going to speak different things to different people. How many know that the Spirit of God is powerful enough to just do that, to take one set of words and it says something to different people? So I left you just white space. But if you're taking notes, here's what I believe a working definition of faith is. Faith is a foundational belief that God is who he said he was and that he'll do what he said he'd do. Mark almost quoted that this morning in your growth group. So maybe God's just trying to get our attention. And faith is not some abstract hope in the mystical unknown. Faith is a foundational confidence in a God who cannot fail. So it's important that we, that we lay that groundwork this morning. Um, that we have a foundational belief in who God is. Especially for what we're going to talk about today. Because today will definitely not be new to many of you in this room. It, it'll, it'll not be, if you're a follower of Christ, you're probably going to be tempted to tune me out because you've heard this before. I'm just going to ask you that you don't. I'm going to ask you this. What's, what's the greatest news flash you've ever received? What's the greatest news flash? I can think of a couple. I, I remember the news flash when Donna said yes. I was like, wow, have I got her fooled. Hey, I remember the news flash when the doctor said, your baby's coming and he's going to be healthy because we'd, we'd lost two. Man, that was an awesome day. I remember when Donna told me Matthew was on the way. That, those life-changing, blow-your-mind kind of news flashes. Talk about it decades later kind of news flashes. Here's another question. How do, you, how do you get your news? Now, when I was... Now, I'm not an old man. My children teach me otherwise, or tell me otherwise. But I, but I remember as a child, here's how we got our news. We sat in front of a television that had three stations. That's blowing some of your minds, isn't it? Three, two, five, and 11. We thought we moved up when Ted Turner had 17. We're like, woohoo, we can watch the Braves. And you sat there and you watched, you watched the local news and you watched the national news. And for two hours, you sat in front of a screen and that's how you got your news. Well, nobody gets their news. I mean, they still play them, but nobody watches it. You get your news probably the way I get mine on my phone, on my iPad, and my computer screen. Nobody, you don't watch the news. You get your news. In fact, uh, there, there was, here, here's, here's a, a pretty good example. Um, as many of you know, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. Well, there was a big announcement last week about John Smoltz. John Smoltz was, gonna, they were going to decide whether or not he was going in the Hall of Fame. And, and, uh, and by the way, he's a believer, and we root for people to do the good things. <laughs> and so... Um, the announcement was made at 2 o'clock. And at 2 o'clock and 7 seconds, my phone was like, congratulations, John Smoltz. Our news comes instantly. It's, it's there. We, we, I mean, I, I, I watch my Twitter feed, and I, I get the highlight, and I scroll on to something else. I don't spend hours in front watching. But here's, I want to talk to you about news Specifically, I want to talk to you about the good news. See, the word, 
The word gospel literally means good news. In fact, I've said, made this phrase, said this phrase before, the, the, the good news of the gospel. That's like saying the good news of the good news. I want to talk to you about the good news of Jesus. I want to talk to you about the gospel. Because here's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that what we've done in our culture is reduced the gospel to a 140-character snippet of our life. Instead of this huge, loud, resounding story, solid enough to build the foundation of our life on. It's just a piece of what we do. It's just a blurb on the timeline of our life, along with all the other stuff that we have. And, and I'm afraid that the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, and we'll talk about that, that I'm afraid that what's happened is the gospel, the the good news of Jesus has just become a piece of the puzzle of our life. It's just, we have our career in in Jesus, and we have our family in Jesus, and we have all of this other stuff, and somewhere on the bookshelf of our life, in the trophy case of our life, there's Jesus. Jesus. And what I want to submit to you this morning, what I want us to leave understanding is that that's not enough. I want to challenge you this morning because I'm challenged. Maybe you've allowed Jesus to become another post on your wall. And I'm going to say... That's not what he came to do. And that's not who he came to be in your life. In fact, I, I, I read the, the worship team and our leaders this morning in this scripture. It's Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 17. In your Bible, if you were to open your Bible, a hardcover or a softcover Bible, and if you have one of those Bibles that have headings over each section what it probably says above this passage of Scripture in your Bible is the supremacy of Christ. Here's what it says. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created. Listen very carefully. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Here's the part I want you to grab. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things are held together. Christ. Now see this is why we started what we started with last week. I asked you, do you have faith? And that faith is the belief, the foundational belief that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. If you really believe that, then he says of himself, he is, everything is created through him. He is supreme and above all. And my, my question for you is this. How can he be supreme in the universe and those who wear his name not count him as supreme? 
Here's how we said it in growth group this morning. It, it's, 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 it's like we believe that Jesus exists for us and for our glory. When in fact it's the exact opposite. It's you were created. If this passage is true, you were created for Him. Your purpose on this planet is not to assess some amount of wealth or to uh, achieve some, some great goal. And I hope that those things may be true in your life. But the, the truth of the matter is, is you're on this planet for one reason. And one reason alone. And that's to bring glory to the supreme being of this universe. And his name is Jesus. And if you, like I, have been guilty of, have reduced the supremacy of who God is and who Christ is in our life to some snippet, to some tweet, to some minuscule part of our day, then I'm telling you, it's not enough and He won't stay there. I believe it all across our culture. Now, I don't want this... I really don't want this to be a judgmental message because I'm not a judgmental preacher. You guys know that. I really, what I want to do is to take this scripture and I want us to explode it and understand New Testament Christianity and 2015 North American Christianity are diametrically opposed. We've got all across our culture people with crosses around their necks and Jesus fish on their car and Jesus calling apps on our phone. Sitting in churches without ever really knowing and understanding the incredible power of the good news. Oh. Man, that just, I, I felt my heart cave even saying that. Do we truly and, and really understand the miraculous, awesome story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus? Does, it, does that cause us to stop everything else in our life? When we, when we reflect on that message that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he suffered and he shed his blood and he, he lives again and, and he rose again and he lives today, does that not stop us and cause us to turn all of the other things in our life away and focus solely on the Son of God? Well, if you can't say, not really, Dwayne, then today you need to pay attention. See, I'm not, I'm not talking about a lifestyle choice. I'm not talking about a time management decision. I'm talking about our eternity. Y'all okay with that? What does humanity look like in 2015 if Jesus doesn't show up? For those of you that are following Jesus, what does your world look like if you weren't following him? If Jesus hadn't invaded your life and rescued you, what does your world look like? I know what mine looks like. And it, it causes me to shudder. All right. 
just so you know, my goal today is not to give you an academic discourse on New Testament theology. Uh, you can do that online if you want to. I just want us to go on a journey. I want us to start a journey today where we recognize how passionately God loved us enough. And I, I, I want us to, to go on a journey where the good news transforms our life. The good news of Jesus. So what, what I'm talking about is a story that I, I imagine almost everybody in this room has heard. Because of where you grew up. But if you'll ever. If you'll ever grasp the essence of the gospel. It won't be enough. For you to just post about him. It won't be enough for you to just. Spend seven minutes on your app with him in the morning. Here's what will happen. You'll fall in love with him. You'll be consumed by his presence. And you'll want to spend your days, your nights, your life bringing glory and making famous the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. It'll transform your life. It'll make you, I read this somewhere, it'll make you a new creature. I just want you to hear me when I say, if that hasn't happened for you, man, I'm gonna, see, here's why it's so hard to preach this kind of message in our society. Because you've all heard it. And you turn on TV and you hear it again. And we've heard it so much, we're cold and calloused to the fact that God loved us enough to send his son. It's a lot easier to preach this message to people who have never heard it before. Because like a little child, they'll grasp it. And it'll be the water that they've been thirsty for. And it'll be the bread that they've been hungry for. But we're not thirsty and we're not hungry in our society anymore. So today, what I... What I, my, my goal is and what I hope and what I believe the Spirit of God wants to do in this house this morning is to simply do this, to whet your appetite, to put a little salt in your throat, to make you hungry and thirsty, that you go on a lifelong pursuit of the gospel. Because, see, we've reduced it. Well, yeah, I, I found Jesus when I was nine at vacation Bible school. The problem is you left him there. Oh. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud. I wonder how many in the room at some point in your life have told a lie. How, how many of you have stole something? Paperclip from the office. <laughs> Cashiers hate me because I always keep their pens when I. But now they got them attached to the. You stole something. You lied. How many of you ever taken God's name as a cuss word? Wonder 
How many of us have looked at a member of the opposite sex who was not our spouse with lust in our heart and eyes? I wonder how many times somebody's cut us off in traffic and we spewed hate. If that's the case, then I'm in a room and you're in a room with a bunch of lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterous murderers. You can go home now that you feel real good about yourself. (laughs) And so if God is good and God is just, if we stood there all alone in front of a perfect, holy, righteous, just God, are we guilty? dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a judgmental God. Let's talk about the gospel. Let's the adulterous, lying, blasphemous murderers in the room. Let's talk about the gospel. Because here's what happened. Because of our sin, we owe a debt. And it'd be really cool if we could stand in front of God and Him just go, okay, never mind. I'm I'm a God of love, so I'm just wiping your slate clean. It'd be really cool if that could happen. But here, pay attention to this. I'm going to teach you. There's one thing, only one thing that God cannot do. God cannot break His own law. Mark was talking about the Garden of Eden. When God spoke out of his mouth, if you eat of that tree, if you sin, you will surely die. How many of you know he wasn't just talking about your heart stopping to beat? He was talking about an eternal forever death. And God couldn't be God if he was a liar. So here's what we need to know. We're all sick. Somebody said that there's only two kinds of people in the world. They're saints and they're sinners. I'm going to change that a little bit. There's only two kinds of people in the world. There are sinners and there's Jesus. Everybody else is on a level playing field. We've all broken God's law. We've all, as the book of Romans says, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's great standard. 1 Peter chapter 2 says it like this. He himself. Man, this ought... Why this doesn't grip our hearts anymore, I don't know, but... But please read with me. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Circle circle that word healed. 
Now, maybe you grew up in, in, a, in a charismatic Pentecostal church and you heard that scripture quoted when somebody you know, had an ingrown toenail and the pastor was praying for them. And, and let me tell you something. I, be- I believe that Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit can heal you physically, period. In the blink- I've seen it happen. It happened to my wife. But saying that that scripture is only about our ingrown toenail and our flu and our cancer and all the other stuff is like saying, hey, you know what? You can go to Golden Corral and get cucumbers. Think about it. You can get cucumbers at Golden Corral, but there's so much more. Come on, fat people. You love me now. Can I just tell you something? You know, you know what? You know what will stop you from going, going into Golden Corral? Is looking at the people that are coming out of Golden Corral. <laughs> Not exactly the picture of health there. How did I go there? Here we go. I'm just telling you that, that there's so much that First Peter is talking about than just healing our bodies because while that's a big deal to us on this planet how many of you know that there's something bigger at stake that what peter was telling us is, was not just that he can heal the infirmity of our diseases but he can heal your soul and the only way to heal your soul is by him forgiving your sin And it's possible, not because God just wiped our slate clean, but because Jesus paid your debt. That's the good news, is my debt has been paid. I I don't owe it anymore. It's gone. It's been forever cleaned and and paid for. And not just so I could know healing in my body, but so I could know life and life more abundant and my sins forever gone. Wow. Doesn't that... Didn't that grip your heart that the Son of God loved you enough and loved me enough to bear, read it again, to bear on Himself our sin? Thank you, Lord. Man, can you stop just a minute? And somebody that's experienced that, just begin to thank Jesus for what He's done and how He's changed you and how He's redeemed you and how He rescued you. That word healed that I ask you to circle, it's a Greek word, aomai. And it means to be made whole. On the cross, on the stripes that Jesus bore, weren't just to make you better. They were to make you whole. That sin debt that you owed, forever gone. So know this, we're all sick and there's only one medicine. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Please hear me. If there's ever a time 
when as the body of Christ, as people who love God, as, as the church, if there's ever been a time when that one message needs to be loud and clear, it's today. Because I'm telling you, the religious world is getting fuzzy. And lines are getting blurred. Is it, is it offensive to say that the only way to get to God is through the person of Jesus Christ? Is it offensive? Probably. Is it truth? It is, or I'm wasting an awful lot of time and energy this morning. Fact of the matter is, if we do what we said at the beginning, if we have faith in, in, in who God says He is and what He said, he, who God says He is, we just read it. There's one mediator between God and man, and His name is Jesus. The only way, the only intermediary between God and sinful humanity is Jesus Christ. And the only way we'll know Him, know God forever and forever, is through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And I don't care what you see on television. There are Christian pastors who are writing books that say, well, you know what? At the end of the day, everybody finds Jesus, even after they die. I don't know. I'm just telling you that the message of the church ought to be, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, and His name is Jesus. And if you're going to find God, you must find Him there. Period. Does it offend your Muslim friends? Yes, I hope it does. If the gospel doesn't offend somebody, it's not the gospel anymore. It's a fairy tale and a myth. How offended were you when you realized you were on your way to hell? God can't break his own law. That's his law. Somebody said, well, what about people who never hear, heard about Jesus? I'm going to give you three very powerful words. I don't know. I will tell you this. And how this, I, I, I don't know. I don't believe anybody goes to heaven without accepting Christ. And I don't believe anybody goes to hell without rejecting him. Every man will be asked the question, what have you done with Jesus? Now, you, we, we can play this, what about the third world game if you want to. But guess what? You don't live in a third world. You live in Loganville. And you're hearing it today. Oh, I'm really getting ready to mess with you. You are forever accountable for the words this man said today. I didn't used to be this man. Man, I, I quote this scripture all the time, but I wanted to read it today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Man, if you, if you only memorize one scripture in your whole life, this ought to be one of them. God made him who had no sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So then in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That means because of what Jesus did. In spite of this lying, thieving, murderous adulterer, 
I can stand in front of God and he sees me through the filter of his, the blood of his son Jesus and all he sees is a righteous man who's been made whole by the blood of his son. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the gospel, the good news. And I hope it's transformed you. I hope that you can testify today that you've been made new. And that your life, listen to me, revolves around the gospel. Not that you've fitted into your timeline. Not that you've fitted into your daily agenda. But your world revolves around the good news that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So I could become the righteousness of God. So I could stand in front of him and belong there. Let me tell you what we've done. And don't get me wrong, I, and I don't want you to read too much into what I'm getting ready to say. But we've, how many of you remember your spiritual birthday? Remember the time? And, and we celebrate that, and we ought to. It's a big deal. But, but let me tell you what we've done. We've, we've stood behind pulpits, and we've made statements like, in an instant, Jesus can change your life. And how many believe that? I do too. See, I've got y'all nervous. You're like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say I believe that or not. I do believe that. But here's what we've done. We've taken our experience with the gospel and isolated it to a day. It sort of looks like this. Look at this picture up on the screen. You're going to get a big kick out of this. Drink it in. Just drink it in. Hey, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, there are a few people as cool as I was that day. That was me, like, yes. I had more hair and less gut, but that was me. Of course, what you don't see is that vest kind of acts like a girdle, sucking it all in. That was February 8th of 1986. Date that will live. No, that's the wrong thing. One of the greatest days of my life. And Donna and I were, we had a date night this past Friday night. And I'm going to tell you something, it was hot. <laughs> you know what we did? Kathy Max is going, why does he do that? We, we went refrigerator shopping. I'm not, I'm not going there. And, and so we spent a, a couple of hours in, in the Sears store picking out some stuff, refrigerator and a mattress. And, and we're back and forth with the, and, and y'all that know me well know that I'm going to, I'm going to have a conversation with people. And when we, it was funny because when we left, I, I said about the guy that was helping us, I was like, he was a talker, wasn't he? And Donna looked at me and went, what? She was like, he had a little help. And right before we got ready to leave, he said, uh, how long have you guys been married? And uh, I, I thought for a minute, I went, 
A answer him, Donald. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So 29 years. And he was like, I could tell it had been a while. I was like, why, because we're old or you know, what? He goes, he goes you, you, you're just like best friends. And I was like, I was like, that's one of the greatest compliments, I think, as a couple we'd ever been paid. All right. Wipe your noses. I told you that to tell you this. That didn't happen just because of that day. That happened because of all of the stuff that we've walked through, all of the successes and all of the failures and all of the high times and all of the low times and all of the intimate times and all of the separated times and all of the wonderful times and all the frustrating times. We could say that there's an intimacy in our relationship now, not because of that day, but because of the 29 years of day since that day. Now you're not, you don't find your intimacy with Jesus. You don't live the gospel in your life day after day because of the day that you knelt. It's, it's those days since that day when you've wrestled with him and you didn't understand him and you talked to him and you begged him to help you and he showed up in your time of need and you needed encouragement and the Holy Spirit of God wrapped his arms of love and compassion around you and that doesn't happen if all he is is a tweet. You can take that picture down now. The message of the gospel isn't a message you respond to once and then stick it in your back pocket. It's a, it's a banner by which every part of your life exists under. He is supreme and only Him. So here's Here's the dangerous question of the day. Donna's going to come and play. Here's, here's, the, here's the question that I challenge you to answer with honesty and conviction. Is he supreme in your life? I didn't ask you if you knelt and gave your heart to him at some point in your past. Is he today, right now, January 11th, 2015, is he supreme? Is he above everything else in your world? Heads bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. Is he supreme? Do any you telling me that I, I can't live my life? That's, I'm, I'm telling you the exact opposite. In fact, Jesus said it like this: "I've come that you might have life and have it to the full." 
I'm telling you that the only way your life really works the way it's supposed to is when you live your life under the banner of the gospel. When Jesus is supreme. But I've got my career. I didn't tell you to lay down your career. I told you to live your life under the banner of the gospel and that Jesus is supreme. If you'd have been in growth group this morning, you'd heard Mark say something like this. Living a life like this, this faith life that we talked about, means Jesus speaks. You listen. And I listen. And here's, here's the critical part. You've got to make a choice then about whether you trust him or not. Do you live your life under the banner of Jesus? Is he supreme in your life? I didn't ask you if you said a prayer. I didn't ask you if you joined a church. I asked you today, couldn't you say, can you say, Jesus is supreme? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And if you're here and you want to make him supreme, well, well Dwayne, if, 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 if I acknowledge that, then people don't think I'm not saved. Let me just, let me just respond to that two ways. First of all, you need to quit worrying about what other people think. Second of all, I didn't. I'm, I'm not asking you if if you surrender if, if you've accepted Jesus. I'm asking you if He's supreme. See what we're what we're moving from now is is from just believing in Jesus and 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 to following Him. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to forget. Stop worrying about what somebody might say if you acknowledge what I'm asking you to acknowledge today. But how many of you would say with me, just just by lifting your hand, going today, I need to make Jesus supreme. There's things in my life that maybe I've, I've put in front of him. But today, he needs to be supreme. If that's you, just, just put your hand in the air. Amen. A- amen. Amen. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And it's going to be difficult. But I'm going to ask you to do it. I want you to find a way to get out of your seat and come kneel around these altars. Now. And somebody will pray with you.
Father, we're kneeling around these altars because we acknowledge that you are supreme over the universe. That your son Jesus is supreme and we desire to make him supreme in our life, in my life. So God, we push aside every other thing that would rob him of his rightful place in our life. Worries and addiction, careers and family, we push them aside and we make Jesus supreme. Father, what we desire is to follow Jesus to be a disciple of the gospel of Christ. Teach us. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Forgive us, God, for times when we pushed you aside for the things of this world. Today, would you please take your rightful place in our life? We surrender. Give you praise. Our lives are yours in Jesus' name. for him today because it's a 21 day prayer but pray for him continually father in jesus name we thank you for sean and mary wages 
We thank you for bringing them and making them part of the Life Point family. God, we thank you that you've placed an incredible anointing on their lives to disciple and, and minister to children. And God, that you're doing a great work, that our children are understanding more about the gospel and about the good news of Jesus because they're taking part in what's happening there on Sundays. And, and God, we, we pray for his leadership, that as he uh, uh, Lord leads our entire children's program, God, that you would anoint him and empower him. Most of all, God, that you would just refresh his soul with your presence. That God, in those moments when there's frustration and those times when it's difficult and there's th- those moments when, when he's, he, he's, he's not sure where to go and, and things are tough at work and, and, and all of the stuff around him. God would would discourage. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would encourage him and lift him up and anoint him and cause him to be the man of God that you called him to be. Thank you. We are privileged that you've blessed our church with this man and his family. So God, would you just empower him and anoint him in in everything that he does? Bless his family. Thank you for Mary. God, what a great thing it is to have a wife who believes in her husband. So God, I I just thank you for what you're doing in her, what you're doing in Sean and in the girls. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise for his goodness. Hey, have a seat. Let 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 me have two minutes. ask me all the time about us being part of the church of God and they're like you don't really look like a church of God and and that's you know I I love our denomination don't I'm I'm, I'm, and I would never say anything other than that but we're who we we're life point okay but there's there's part of the Pentecostal distinctive that I'm afraid that we're we've drifted away from and you and we're bringing it back and you saw it this morning um we're going to spend more time in these altars is that okay with anybody? So, so, and I just, I wanted to mention that because not all of you are from a Pentecostal background. Here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean if you come and kneel around these altars that somebody's going to get in your face and, you know, pour a half a gallon of anointing oil on your head. Unless, you know, unless Donna's praying for you, then that's not going to happen. She might do that. No, she won't. I'm just kidding. What, what all that is, is, is we believe, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, the, there was a, a beauty in the altar. It was a place of sacrifice. And this is a place you can come and just lay it on the altar. Whatever hurt, whatever burden you got. And here's what I promise you. Nobody's ever going to make you do something you don't want to do. I know some of you have had bad experiences in a Pentecostal altar service. And some of you had great experiences. But, you know, some of you have been there when you were praying and somebody was hollering in your ear, hold on, hold on, hold on. Somebody was hollering, let go, let go, let go. You didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, come on, who's been there? <laughs> we're not going to do that. That's not, that's not, I'm talking about providing a place and a time. Jesus said it like this, my house will be called a house of prayer. If you can't pray here, Something's wrong. Um, so, I just I just wanted to throw that at you, and and I wanted to set at ease those of you that might be here and think I ain't going on there. I've seen what they do down. No, that's not. 
That's not who we are. All right? What you probably will feel, and I'm just going to tell you from experience, you might feel a hand on your shoulder. And that's somebody that loves you and is, is, is begging God to, to take whatever it is you've got to leave. Amen? And by the way, that's a real, real, real good thing. All right? God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Give the Lord praise. I drank a few. What can take a dying man to raise him up to life again? What can heal the wounded soul? What can make us white as snow? What can fill the emptiness? Can mend our brokenness. Brokenness. One other, one other thing. Hey, how many of you would say that being in church today was a good thing for you and your family? Wave at me. Then find somebody that needs to be here and bring them with you next Sunday morning. Okay, Dwayne, we'll do that. Yes, we will do that. us from the fall, the power of the cross. What restores our faith in God, what reveals the Father's love. 